Today's show is very, very sad, Larry. It's, it's all about how music can help an audience to feel an emotion. Sad. Did, did I say sad? I, I, I meant funny. What I meant to say is that today's show is very, very impressive. Today we're talking music on Two Real Guys. My name is Larry Jordan. And I'm Norman Holland. And welcome to The Two Real Guys. Today, we're talking music. Yeah, and music is perhaps the most powerful manipulator of an audience emotion. Remember how I mentioned in an earlier episode that what we do as filmmakers is manipulate the audience to feel the way we want them to feel? It's a good thing, right? We've got camera, the performance, production design, editing, and all of that to help us convince the audience to feel what we want them to feel. Well, music is hugely powerful as well. There's two ways that we can choose music. We can choose music before we begin editing or after the first cut. Making a decision before you start editing is useful if you've got, say, a stills montage where you're trying to figure out the pacing to cut those stills. Mm -hmm. But editing when you've got a scene complete means the music has to match the pacing of your actors and the dialogue. Regardless of which way you go, we're still talking about story. You have to go back to the story that you want the audience to feel and understand in order to understand what kind of music you're going to use. But how do you decide what kind of music will work for your story? How do you make that decision? Well, your film will tell you what type of music it wants. Oh, yeah, I've heard that way too many times. It's like the zen of editing. Your film will tell you. It does, Larry. It does. <laughs> Prove it. Well, what I mean by your film telling you what kind of music it wants is uh, you can try out different pieces of music and see what works. You throw something in there and uh, your film will tell you, no, I don't want 27 tubas. What I really want is some strings. You try that, looks incredible. So what we're doing really is you're playing the music and you're sensing the emotional response that you get from it. And if you respond to that emotional response, then the music is right for that scene. Mm -hmm. And if the emotion of the music and the emotion of the scene fight each other, then in general, that's the wrong music to use for that particular that's scene. That's right. And that's one of two major things that you have to pay attention to when you talk about music. The second one is spotting music. And, and music is so powerful in influencing an audience that where you begin it, where you end it, affects an audience tremendously. Well, you've talked about this several times. It's called a spotting session, but mm -hmm. I've never really understood what you mean by that. Mm -hmm. Well, what I do when I finish editing, and I know where all of my cuts are and how every scene is going to be shaped, is we bring the composer in and we watch the film from top to bottom. And we talk about where every music cue is going to be, almost precisely where it'll begin and where it ends. We also talk about the type of music, which is one reason why I call them 
adjective sessions. But where the piece of music begins is going to affect an audience so much that we generally put them at what we on the Two Real Guys call lean forward moments. The lean scenes. forward moment is where something changes in the film. And generally you emphasize that change by adding a piece of music at that point. Mm -hmm. But can you give me a practical example of how, this, how we would use music in a scene? Absolutely. Let's take a look at a scene from a short film. And let's put some music up against it and try it in different places to see the difference in how we react. So the first thing that you always talk about in a spotting session is what's come before. So in the previous scene, Daryl, who's been trying to bury his brother who he doesn't particularly like for the entire movie, um, has just reached the bottom. He knows that because he's poor, he can never bury him properly. Uh, so he finally brings him to Potter's Field where the John Doe's are buried. And he brings him up. He's angry. He's depressed. He is uh, in despair, and he brings him to the guy who does the uh, burial, and uh, there's his brother. And now we are beginning to approach the place where he's going to make a change, where he's looking and seeing his brother and realizing how bad he's been to his brother for the entire movie. Maybe, Maybe he has, has some second, second thoughts now, but what's done is done. He has to turn and leave, so an adjective I would use here uh, would be he's uh, doubtful, he has doubts. And now here's the beginning of some change in him. He turns. Can he not be a John Doe? Can he be a Sebastian Hexler? In other words, treat him with some respect so he's beginning to find some respect for his brother. And he smiles. See that smile there? An adjective that I would use for Daryl is he feels better about himself as he gains respect for his brother. So this is the culmination of his entire trip throughout the movie, where he is now beginning to have peace with himself, peace with his brother, and his journey is beginning to be complete. So let's say that we've decided that there's going to be no music at the beginning of the scene. We're just going to begin to accent his feelings as he begins to realize that he's at the bottom, that he's been bad to his brother. And there's something wrong about that. So we might want to start it on that look. That one right there. And we're choosing some music that uh, has the low point, the sadness. But notice that this music isn't really addressing the fact that he's beginning to change his mind here. In fact, let's say that we're spotting it so that it's only when he finally gets what he wants that the music changes. So that would be another moment that we mentioned to the composer, one of the lean forward moments, that smile, right? Where we talked about that, that's a changing moment for him. But let's try another version of this where we begin the music on that changing moment. Aha, he's turning. Same music. Can you not be a John Doe? But a different in point. So now we're beginning to accent his change rather than his low point leading to the change. That's going to make the audience feel very, very different. Now we're not accenting that smile, but we've got his emotions.
Now let's try a version where we begin on that smile so we accent the happiness and also that will probably require that we make some changes in the type of music that we're doing so we accent that emotion. Can he not be a John Doe? Can he be a Sebastian Hexler? The audience is going to feel different yet again because we've accented a different moment and changed the style and tone of the music. Norman, it's fascinating to me that we use dialogue to tell a story and we use music to tell emotions. And that's why when you talk with a composer, you never want to be using phrases like, we need something in a minor key here. It's better to say something like, this is where the character realizes that he's lost her and he doesn't know how to react. You're speaking in terms of emotions and changes of emotions. And music drives those emotional changes in your story. We'll be back with a tip right after this. As a music editor, I used to tell the directors who I worked with to talk about music in much the same way that they would talk about characters with their actors, except that in this case, the music would represent the relationship among those characters. And of course, as that relationship changed over the course of a scene, that music would also change. Music drives emotions the way that dialogue drives story. So choose your music to match the emotions of your actors. My name is Larry Jordan. His name is Norman Holland. Thanks for watching The Two Real Guys.